one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. The Aftermath. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today we're speaking with guest expert Natalie Jarvie. Natalie is an entertainment business correspondent and editor at Insider's new Los Angeles Bureau covering the digital transformation of Hollywood. Let's hear what she has to say about the rise and fall of Quibi. Hi Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. So could you start off by giving us a little background on the masterminds behind Quibi, Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman? Yeah, I think the best place to start is probably with Jeffrey Katzenberg. This is an idea he had been toying with for a long time before he brought Meg Whitman into into the idea. Um, And Jeffrey Katzenberg is one of these kind of iconic Hollywood personalities. Uh, He founded DreamWorks uh, and then went on to found DreamWorks Animation, uh, which is behind many of the animated uh, movies and TV shows that young kids love. Um, And he's a big um, Hollywood donor for the Democratic Party. He, uh, up until very recently, uh, was very involved in the motion picture television fund, uh, which is a big kind of advocacy group here for, you know, working actors and people in Hollywood. So, uh, you know, when someone like Jeffrey Katzenberg decides to raise $2 billion for a project, people listen. 
Mm-hmm. And that's really important here because um, uh, I don't think anyone would have been able to get Quibi off the ground, but but Jeffrey Katzenberg certainly could. Um, and he uh, has uh, known Meg Whitman um, for a long time. She's uh, been kind of, though not directly involved in Hollywood, she's been on some Hollywood boards and things like that. And um, uh, Meg is uh, probably best known. Uh, she's a tech executive. Uh, she ran HP and eBay, uh, but best known in California as as the former Republican candidate for governor. Uh, so she, um, you know, she is also kind of a well-known figure, but this was really her first big play in Hollywood. So what was Quibi set up to be? What did the platform promise and how was it meant to disrupt the market? Yeah. So Quibi, again, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg had been thinking about this for a long time. He had seen when he was at DreamWorks Animation, he had acquired a company called Awesomeness TV that made digital video for young people. It was primarily distributed on YouTube. Awesomeness did a big deal with a company, um, with Verizon for an app called Go90, where um, Awesomeness supplied a lot of content to Go90. Um, Go90's whole premise was, you know, basically that young people are watching video on their phones. And so we're going to give them you know, ad supported video on their phones. It's you know, premium and highly produced. Uh, and so Jeffrey saw these efforts and saw how much young people were watching video on YouTube on their phones and thought, what if we fund digital video the way that we fund a movie or TV show? We spend the biggest budgets to get the biggest stars and really glossy footage And instead of releasing it in a movie theater, we put it on your phone, we pay, you know, we charge a few bucks a month, uh, ask people to pay for that content. And uh, we release it in in chapters in uh, kind of like episodic content. Um, And you know, that, that no one had tried this. No one had had looked at the digital video market and said, what if we, you know, kind of super serve these young audiences with this really premium programming? And, um, you know, the, the digital video industry was excited about that because there are a lot of people who make YouTube videos and web videos and, and hadn't been given those kinds of budgets and um, hadn't been um, given the opportunity to work with some of the biggest stars in Hollywood. So, so people got excited about the premise of, of creating something that was supposed to be really designed for your mobile phone. How was it viewed? You're saying that people were very excited about it. Was that inside the entertainment industry? Was there anticipation, you know, uh, amongst future viewers? Who, Who had their eye on Quibi? from the start? It was definitely Hollywood. I mean, Quibi came in, um, they raised close to $2 billion and, um, you know, started writing big checks. Quibi, uh, Jeffrey and Meg uh, did a big kind of tour of Hollywood. They met with all the studios who make content. They met with all the talent agencies who, you know, represent the biggest stars in Hollywood. And, you know, they said, we have money to spend and we want your big ideas. Come give us your big ideas. Um, They also raised money from all of the Hollywood studios, Um, Disney, uh, NBC Universal. They all put money into Quibi. So they also had a reason to want to see Quibi be successful. Uh, And, you know, 
a lot of creatives got excited about it too, uh, because at the end of the day, Hollywood is made up of a bunch of people who have big ideas and think that their ideas are amazing. And when you are, you know, Antoine Fuqua and you're going and you're shopping a script around town, you want to make it as a film and no one wants to buy that script. Um, that doesn't feel good. Uh, and, and then here's Jeffrey Katzenberg saying, you know what, that script that you've had sitting there for five years and no one has want, wanted to make, we will make it. Now you have to make it a little bit differently. You have to do it, you know, specifically for a mobile phone um, and you have to chop it up into, you know, bite-sized content. Uh, all of Quibi's episodes were under uh, 10 minutes, uh, you know, so yeah, you, you have to make some changes to that feature film script, but if you do those things, we will make your film. And so a lot of people in Hollywood signed up. So what were the first signs that there might have been trouble brewing for Quibi? Those signs came early. Uh, (laughs) You know, um, there were a few things, you know, first and foremost, Quibi was going after the kind of biggest names in Hollywood and while, you know, sure, a lot of those people, you know, who wouldn't want to see Jennifer Lopez in a, you know, reality TV show or something like that, uh, there wasn't a lot of thought given to whether or not these actors, these stars were the people that young people who are primarily on their phones actually wanted to see. Um, they were not interested in doing deals with YouTube stars or um, Instagram influencers or TikTokers. Um, they really wanted to work with kind of the A-list of Hollywood celebrity, which is great. But young people, when they you know go watch YouTube, are watching YouTube stars and TikTokers, and um, you know there, there's real value there for for young viewers, and and could be at first was kind of stuck their nose up at the idea of working with that type of talent. Uh, they came around eventually, but it, it took a little while. So that was kind of first and foremost, you know, something a lot of people pointed to as an example that maybe Quibi didn't know its audience as well as Quibi thought it knew its audience. Um, Could we also raise, like I said, close to $2 billion, uh, which is a lot of money. And that comes with a lot of big expectations. And, um, you know, so I think right there that, you know, they could be needed that money in order to fund the product that it was building. And also these very expensive um, movies and and TV shows that it was producing. Um, But I I also think that, you know, that put a, a big target on its back and very quickly, you know, people, people decided it it was a bit of a joke. Um, And then the name Quibi, um, you know, it was a name that they unveiled dramatically at CES. And, um, uh, you know, I'm actually not sure that they unveiled that dramatically at CES. It was a big name that they unveiled dramatically. And uh, people immediately didn't know how to pronounce it. Was it Quibi? Was it Cubi? And and that immediately, once once the Hollywood press gets a hold of a name like that, uh, they they go to town. Uh, so there were a lot of inklings early on um, that Quibi might not be the big success that uh, Jeffrey and Meg hoped it would be. So once it launches, I mean, it, it launches after we've all been shut down uh, due to the pandemic in 2020. After it it launches, you know, what happens those months between its launch and be- when it's shut down? 
Yeah, well, I think it's important to talk about that launch. I mean, Jeffrey and Meg very early on in the creation of Quibi kind of put this April launch date on their calendars and said, this is when we want this product to go. And once the pandemic hit, they had the opportunity to say, now's not the right time to launch a new service. We need to take a step back and rethink what we're doing. You know, Quibi's whole premise was that it was, uh, because it was on your phone, you could watch this content on the go. You'd be waiting in line at the doctor's office and you'd have 10 minutes and you'd watch a Quibi. Uh, That was the vision. And uh, when suddenly everyone was sitting at home, not going anywhere because of the pandemic, they could have said, Eh, let's take a step back. Let's rethink this. Let's delay the launch for a couple of months. Uh, they chose to forge ahead. And, and that was, you know, in retrospect, perhaps not the wisest decision. Uh, and so, you know, they had to cancel the big flashy premiere that they had planned. Um, they had to really kind of rethink how they were going to roll out this service. And so, yes, Quibi launched and, you know, it was not the immediate success out of the gate that that Jeffrey and Meg hoped it would be. Uh, you know, some of the content was reviewed well, uh, but not all of it was, um, you know. One of the interesting things about Quibi is that they had to produce an entire library's worth of programming. They weren't relying on any licensed programs like Netflix. You couldn't go on and watch Friends on Quibi. So they had to make everything from scratch, which meant not everything was going to be good. So uh, a lot of stuff that came out was was not as good. Um, and it kind of buried the, the shows that actually were pretty decent and made it harder to find the real kind of cream of the crop. Uh, and uh, so very quickly, a lot of reviews came out that said, you know, this content isn't great. Um, and one of the first complaints that people had was that Quibi couldn't be viewed on TVs. It was only on your mobile phone. And that was a challenge because everyone was stuck at home during the pandemic and wanted to be watching TV on their TVs, not on their mobile phones. And, um, you know, in, in retrospect, that was a bit of an oversight on their part to not have some sort of a connected TV app. Uh, they, they quickly came up with a solution where you could, um, airplay. If you had a like an iPhone, you could airplay a Quibi show to your TV. Um, and they had, you know, kind of workarounds, um, but that really hurt their ability to grow early on. Um, the other thing that people got frustrated with was that you couldn't share from your phone. So you couldn't be watching a Quibi show that you were really into and get a screen grab of it and then post it to your Twitter or your Instagram. And, um, you know, that was due to a lot of rights around using that footage. But it also meant that shows couldn't grow organically. If you were excited about something you were watching, you couldn't share it with your friends, bring them into the experience too. So that also kind of hindered their growth. And, um, you know, as a result, um, you know, that just it did not catch on with subscribers. Uh, They were asking people to pay money for the service. Uh, They did give away like a free trial. So a lot of people came in you know, experienced it with the free trial and then did not stick with Quibi once their free trials expired. And um, very quickly, it became clear that Quibi was not hitting the numbers that it needed to hit in order to be a viable long-term product. So what was the official reason Quibi stated that they had to close their doors? Yeah, I mean, Jeffrey Katzmer gave an interview with the New York Times where he blamed the pandemic for kind of lackluster growth. He then kind of walked that statement back. That didn't look so great when a lot of people were were suffering uh, in the middle of the pandemic. Um, But ultimately, it was that they... um, 
they couldn't get enough subscribers to keep funding uh, their operations. And they were at a point where they either needed to raise more money uh, and go back to their investors and ask for more or kind of cut their losses and return what money they had left in the bank to investors and just say, you know what, this isn't going to work. And that is ultimately what they decided to do. So we we were talking in our episode about uh, when uh, Katzenberg announced to the company that it was shutting down, that he suggested that staffers listen to the song Get Back Up Again um, from the movie Trolls to lift their spirits. Can we get some clarity on this matter? Because... <laughs> We need to know. It did indeed happen. That That is a real thing that happened in a staff meeting. Uh, it was described to me by someone who was there that apparently this was common for Jeffrey to do during a staff meetings was to kind of um, set the mood of a staff meeting by, you know, playing a song or suggesting a song that people listen to. So that perhaps in this particular moment, um, that suggestion was taken a bit out of context uh, to the rest of the world. Um, but also it was a bit, you know, perhaps um, out of touch in that moment uh, when people knew that they were going to be losing their jobs. So where where do you see the entertainment industry veering towards in terms of how we consume entertainment, our old-fashioned TVs, shows, and movies, a, a thing of the past? How does Quibi um, kind of point a direction for the future of TV? That's such a great question. You know, I think that Quibi was on to something, which is that people do want to be able to watch content anywhere that they can. If you are not at home and you have some time, you may want to turn on Netflix on your phone. Um, I've certainly found myself doing that far more than I ever thought I would. Um, and, and, you know, certainly people younger than me do that quite frequently. Um, young people who maybe don't have control over the TV in their household or, you know, want to, you know, kind of have a, a private viewing experience will absolutely watch video on their phones or on their laptops or their tablets. But TV and film are mediums that were designed for the big screen, whether that's the big screen in your home or the big screen at a movie theater. And trying to translate that programming to a smaller device doesn't necessarily make sense. Uh, and and so I, I, I think what we will find is that these mediums will continue to kind of coexist. People will go to theaters perhaps less frequently, certainly as we come out of the pandemic or continue to watch TV shows or, or watch digital video on their phones, but those things don't necessarily have to um, blend together. Um, I've been really fascinated watching kind of the rise of TikTok during the pandemic, the way in which TikTok has become real entertainment for people uh, while they're stuck at home. And you can watch someone like, you know, Jennifer Lopez, you know, dancing on TikTok, just like you can watch a Charlie D'Amelio or an Addison Rae dancing on TikTok. Jennifer Lopez isn't trying to make a movie for TikTok. She's she's doing what that medium presents um, as, as kind of the best um, way to, you know, gain fans and, and eyeballs, which is it was these short videos where she's dancing. And that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so in a lot of ways, I think these these different platforms are going to kind of have parallel tracks. You might spend 
an hour on TikTok, but that's not going to stop you from then sitting down and watching primetime TV or watching that prestige drama on Netflix later that night or going to a movie theater on a, on a, you know, Saturday evening. Well, that's, that's a hopeful, uh, take. (laughs) I I love it. (laughs) I mean, I think it does imply that we're going to be on our phones and our tablets much for much longer periods, because I think we will continue to consume all of these uh, uh, mediums. Yeah, and um, listen, I mean, I, I absolutely think that there are certain movie theaters that are just never going to play well, or certain movies that are never going to play well in movie theaters. You know, it's going to be the big blockbusters that are going to work. Um, and especially as people have to make a hard choice about how often they're going to go to a movie theater, they're not going to do it for any old uh, film that gets released. Um, you know, so I, I certainly, uh, we will see some kind of shifting behaviors, but it, it still seems to me like there's a place, there's a time and a place for a movie theater viewing experience. Uh, and there's a time and a place for a viewing experience on your phone. So at the end of the day, we always ask our guest experts this, if you had to pick one person or thing, it could be a concept that is to blame for the death or the fall of Quibi. Who or what would that be? Oh. This is <laughs> such a fun question. Um, you know what? I'm going to say it was the golden arm. I don't know if you saw I don't this know. clip. Okay. <laughs> Quibi had a TV, had a show, um, and it was marketed with this image of Rachel Brosnahan with a golden arm. And that image made the rounds on social media and it did not help Quibi's case. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I think that that was the tipping point for Quibi in terms of, um, of people not taking it seriously as a platform. Um, it was the golden arm was from an episode uh, of 50 States of Fright, which was a horror anthology that could be released. And, um, you know, it became the butt of many, many jokes and really, I think, was, you know, signaled that Quibi did not understand what its viewers wanted to watch. And um, and also it was kind of the point of no return. Uh, at that point, anything could be released could have been Oscar worthy and people wouldn't have taken it seriously. Wow. I did not expect that. But <laughs> Natalie, thank you so much for uh, helping us understand, you know, lending your expertise and helping us understand what happened here with Quibi. Of course. Thanks for having me. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy... Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash alarmist. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello, everyone. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. First of all, loved uh, Natalie, you know, loved hearing all about the ins, ins and outs of Quibi. I felt like she had so much information on the matter. Mm-hmm. So, so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, before, you know, after we spoke to Natalie, we, the three of us took a moment to watch Get Back Up Again from the Trolls movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wanted to, you know, start off with our thoughts on that. Uh, how, how do you feel? Was this, w- would you have been inspired <laughs> Uh, after being fired. <laughs> My thought watching that was like, she's really get, like going through the ringer. Like that little troll is getting beat up mm-hmm. and like thrown mm-hmm. around. And it's not like her attitude is positive, but it seems like a little um, t- fresh to be, because I'm sure all of them felt like, oh, we just went through that and here we are. And now I'm just being told to like get back up. And at the end, she's like kind of like tied up in webs and... <laughs> like passes out it's like a physical it's a it's a visual representation of what i imagine the the experience of working at quibi was oh so that's interesting i actually my interpretation was a little different i saw that video and heard that song and i thought what that troll went through was 10 or even 20 times worse than any employee at quibi uh could have possibly gone through and so you know i i was not only inspired but i was I, I had sort of I have a renewed sense of hope about uh, my future, about uh, entertainment in general, and I, it really worked on me. And I, you know, I would not have come out of that meeting feeling anything but uh, positive and uh, just sort of joyous and forward-looking. You're his perfect audience, then. It's um, true. I mean, the, the, the troll does go through a lot. She gets eaten by multiple fish multiple times. No explanation mm-hmm. how she gets out of being eaten by a uh, fish. Mm-hmm. And it is a great song. Um, I probably would have, uh, out of context, I would love the song. But I think, right. uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have wanted to be told mm-hmm. how to feel 
Yes. Yeah, it just seems like... It's too We talked about this in the episode. It's like, you go... I know you guys are beat up, but like, this is how you should be thinking about this right now. It's like, okay, that's one way. I'll, I'll right. think about it my way, I guess. Yeah. But Natalie's <laughs> explanation of, of how he, this is how he conducts a lot of his meetings, that actually shed a lot of light into it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, it, it, out of context, it definitely sounds worse than, you know, in, in, in now that we understand that this is how he liked to start a lot of his right. meetings. I, I think mm-hmm. something else that Natalie pointed to a couple of things that also illuminated this discussion was how, uh, Katzenberg, this had sort of been in the back of his mind since his Disney days that this was sort of his baby and mm-hmm. you know, people, people like their babies and, uh, they get a little <laughs> fixated on how much they love their babies and they don't want anything to change it or, uh, they want to protect their babies. And so I think he might've just gotten very sort of, um, tunnel visiony about the, his vision for Quibi. And then the other thing was, um, how like you got like she was saying they he didn't want to hire new sort of talent the yes. talent that was sort of the TikTok YouTube mm-hmm. talent and so he was sort of unwilling to listen to or or sort of engage with the audience he wanted to engage with um, if or he was he was just sort of not as uh, prepared to engage with those younger viewers like he thought he was. I thought I thought it was really interesting the way she phrased it that there was just a big assumption or not a lot of thought put into the fact that this premium talent that they were hiring is not necessarily the type of talent right. that that generation is even interested in watching and it's like if you are going after that generation and they're watching you know but are essentially strangers on a, a TikTok plat- type platform why not invite some of those people onto the platform yeah, I think to me that was one of the things that we did not discuss in our episode, um, and, and understand. She she brought a lot of understanding as to how they went about acquiring content. Um, clearly, she she really knew how they did it, and um, and that to me stuck out as one of the potential things that you know were were the signs. Some one of the signs that were really what started to make. The Quibi, I don't know, uh, universe explode. I think hmm. the fact that this was, I mean, her reminding us that they raised $2 billion and a lot of that money was from Hollywood studios who wanted this to succeed is like kind of, wow, that's just a lot of money. But I, I feel like something that she said right at the top that was interesting was this idea that, you know, the idea was based on we're going to like spend, like, why don't we produce mobile videos the same way that we produce big budget TV and movies. So we're going to get a lot of money and premium talent and just release it, you know, in chapters like is that that to me seems like a really hard sell Mm. when you're talking to a bunch of money people, executives at big studios, like we want to spend a ton of money for like a little video that someone's going to maybe watch on the bus. Like to me, maybe this is like the practical person to me. I'd be like, well, that's like not what people are watching now. So like, why do we need to spend all the money to get their attention? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like uh, you would have saved Disney and a bunch of these companies (laughs) a lot of money (laughs) had you been on their board or. (laughs) Right. So they should pay me some money that I, since I could have saved them money because they didn't. They should pay you money now. Well, it could definitely be something when you get sit down, if you ever sit down for a job interview with Disney, whether it be (laughs) at the executive level or 
Um, one of those. Right. That's where uh, I go first. Disney I usually go right to executive level. And shake little kids' hands or whatever, and take <laughs> pictures or whatever. You should definitely mention that you could have already saved them X amount of dollars. Just have that number in your back pocket. Here's how you <laughs> mm-hmm. could be this million dollar, millions of dollars richer. And uh, I just think that would be a really good, a good thing to mention during an interview. Yeah. And unfortunately, you didn't realize that you could have saved them a lot of money until much, much later. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, just your brain would have eventually gotten yeah. to that place. And you would make a I would just go back and do the research. Just... I would do research on everything that failed. And then they would know that, like, I put in the work. I would <laughs> right. be like, I could have saved you money on this project and on this project. Mm-hmm. And on this, if you had invested in that project that you didn't take that was big, mm-hmm. I would have made you money. Right. Line yeah. up all of their the failures. Line up all of their failures. Going yes. through them one by one. <laughs> um, so, she, I mean, she, Natalie mentioned a bunch of other stuff that could have attributed to the the fall of Quibi. Um, the name, again, we discussed that, yes. right? Yep. The launch date? Yes. That was a, a really good point she made where it's like, why they didn't have to do it right. that April. That was just an arbitrary decision on their part. They could have moved it. And I wonder why they did not. Yes, I agree. And also the big one we did not mention, the Rachel Brosnahan's golden arm. <laughs> Which is what she Seriously. ultimately sent to the or suggested to blame for the whole thing. And now I've looked at I've remembered this going around at the time. And it was like it was basically the death of Quibi. It was basically like um, when they did the fire festival, how that picture of that bad turkey sandwich went totally uh-huh. viral. And people were just like, this is the summation of this event. Uh-huh. That was Rachel right. Brosnahan's golden arm was definitely that for Quibi. It was sort of like the death knell, the, the canary in the coal mine, if you will. Now, can you explain to me what this golden arm is? Because I'm, I'm trying to... You don't remember that? that look, <laughs> you don't remember <laughs> that just... image? We're looking at it now. Rebecca's okay, pulled it so up on she's, her computer. Uh, she's in a red dress and... She she literally has a golden arm. She's in front of a, a white picket it's like, fence. Mm-hmm. It's like the golden arm of um, Star Trek. I not C-3PO, but the other guy. I just the don't guy understand. Who, what R2-D2? Is the... No, I think it is yes. C-3PO. Oh, yeah, it is C-3PO. It's like, and it's glowing. Yeah. And oh. like knowing her background, like she, you know, she's like the marvelous Miss Maisel in this like really like uh, renowned show. Mm-hmm. And then you guys, you see this and you're like, what is she doing now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be really hard for a, a script to come together in such a way to make that sort of <laughs> that image sort of palatable. Like, and so that is the essence of it. it. I remember that image going around and it was like no context, but here's what's going on at Quibi. Like <laughs> no need to sign up for this. Wow. I mean, I, I had not seen this image um, and honestly, I am curious. Maybe it, maybe I am a Quibi audience. <laughs> That's pulling you right? in. Okay. I feel like it's I give it a me watch. In. <laughs> it's glowing. Um, okay. So uh, uh, yet again, you know, this is why we have our guest experts come to the show to really throw in uh, things we just might not as as non experts have no clue about. Yeah, and I and just to re- oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, just to remind us, we threw Katzenberg and Whitman their hubris in mm-hmm. the jail, and then we gave their lack of backlog of popular content the big slap. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I wonder if any of this information is shaking that up for you. Well, I still think it falls under the category of hubris, right? I mean... I think so. I, 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 think, we, I think we were in the ballpark Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a yeah the the image is kind of like 
if you want to, you know, just pinpoint it to that, it's kind of like they were like, yeah, we can we can put this out there, and that's no problem, and people aren't going to think anything of it. That was the last. It seemed like that was the last straw. Yes. <laughs> And I would say you could kind of roll a lot into the hubris. You can roll the decision to keep the launch date. You can roll the yep. decision to um, uh, not try and get talent from popular social media sites. And you can also use the decision to think um, Rachel Brosnahan with a golden arm would be entertaining for people. You can roll that all into Hollywood hubris. So I think, I don't know, I, I, I feel like pretty still pretty good about uh, throwing the yeah that into yeah jail. yeah um, okay well that I mean that's always fun you just never know if things are going to change during these uh, episodes and if you haven't already please pause uh, your this this recording and go listen to get back up again mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you can find it on YouTube uh, we I I I it's better with the visual with the with a clip from the movie, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and unless you're driving. So if, if you're driving, pull over and pull over and, and pause and, and watch that clip, uh, clip in, and write in and let us know would that have helped. You know, if, if you were in that situation and you were being fired, uh, would that have helped you? And I would also <laughs> say if anybody is currently or just recently got fired, watch the video and let us know how you feel afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, okay. Well, I love talking to Natalie, and uh, this was this has been fun, you guys. Uh, stay tuned because next week we are going to be discussing Biosphere Two. There's a lot to talk about. I always say that, but there really is a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.